section forty one of mysteries of london volume four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org mysteries of london volume four by george w m reynolds the charter house captain o'blunderbuss having made himself thus far comfortable wrote a note to curtis which mr scales dispatched by a messenger to mr bubbleton styles's office in the city for the irishman calculated that if curtis should return to the lodgings in charterhouse square before the said note reached him he would on hearing the adventures of the morning retrace his way to crosby hall chambers there to await either the presence of the captain or at least some communication from him this arrangement appeared to be far more prudent than to trust mrs rudd with either letter or message announcing the place where the captain was concealed the note being written and the messenger dispatched with it mr scales proposed a luncheon of bread and cheese and porter as it was only eleven o'clock in the forenoon and he intended to order dinner for half-past two a nurse as the charwoman was called making her appearance about this time the refreshments above mentioned were duly procured and mr scales intimated to his attendant that he should not dine in the common hall that day but would entertain his friend with steaks and potatoes in his own apartment when the captain and the worthy brother were again alone together they fell into a conversation upon the establishment to which the latter belonged and in which the former had found so hospitable a refuge ye seem to have a comfortable berth of it my friend observed the martial gentleman after burying his countenance for nearly a minute in a pewter pot well the fact is returned mr scales i managed to make myself happy because i am naturally of a gay and lively disposition and i have a great many friends who come to see me moreover i have a few pounds coming in from a snug little annuity and therefore i can afford those luxuries which the others have no chance of obtaining but if it weren't for these circumstances captain added mr scales sinking his voice to a mysterious whisper i should never be able to endure the place not endure the place repeated the captain who manifested unfeigned surprise at the observation be the holy poker and it sames a broth of a place it does ah it's all very well for people out of doors to be told of the existence of the charity resumed the brother and how it gives an asylum to eighty poor men who are widowers and past fifty years of age but it's the discipline my dear sir the interior discipline and then the manner in which we are treated by the authorities of the establishment then there's abuses in the charter house as well as elsewhere said the captain interrogatively blood and thunder where the divil aren't theer abuses if this same as the case nowhere when the church has any influence in the matter returned mr scales but i will explain myself more fully this institution you must know was founded for the purpose of affording an asylum to poor and deserving men chiefly of the literary or learned professions but will you believe it there is scarcely a literary man in the place and the only one of any repute at all is mr valcreef the celebrated dramatic author the patrons put in their old and worn-out butlers or lackeys but this would not matter so long as worthy deserving and respectable characters were nominated which is not the case then you have some characters among ye i'll be after guessing exclaimed the captain 
we have indeed my friend responded mr scales and that is what i chiefly complain of for instance we've lately had a certain colonel tickner thrust upon us but who is no more a colonel than i am a short time ago he called himself major tickner and a little while before that he was captain tickner so you perceive he rises rapidly and i have no doubt he will be a general next week a general be jases cried captain o'blunderbuss it's through i might have been one myself by this time if i'd only stuck to the service but i'll swear by the holy poker that your colonel tickner is nothing more nor less than an impostor a vile impostor and it's meself that'll unmask him the gallant gentleman deemed it necessary to fly into a passion relative to the pretences of the self-styled colonel tickner to a high military rank inasmuch as such a display of indignation on his part at the assumption of another seemed to justify his own right to the honourable grade of captain well it is shameful for men to pretend to be what they are not observed mr scales this colonel tickner sometimes bores me with his company and it is not at all improbable that he may look in after dinner if so we will have some rare fun with him if he dars to have any of his impudence to me cried the captain looking particularly ferocious at the moment i'll trade him as i traded a french dragoon at waterloo come hither ye spalpeen and let me cut ye down to the middle says i we oui, monsieur says he and on he comes with a rush blood and thunther says i is it fighting ye main when i've as good as taken ye prisoner beforehand and gripping him by the throat i throttled him sir in less time than ye'd be in tossing off a thimble full of potheen but pray go on telling me about the charter house my friend and let's hear all your little grievances ye were spaking of the discipline of the place just now and sure it's meself that knows what discipline ought to be ah my dear sir the discipline of the army and that of the church are two very different things said mr scales we're eighty poor brothers in this establishment and every night the curfew rings eighty strokes of the bell when one dies there are only seventy-nine strokes until the vacancy is filled up and you may believe me when i tell you that there is something horrid in sitting in one's lonely room of a dark wintry night and counting the bell to see whether a brother has not died since we all met in the common hall in the afternoon for there are some very very old men here and old men go off you know like the snuff of a candle then when one does die and we hear the bell stop at seventy-nine it sends the blood all cold and ice-like to the heart and a shudder creeps over the frame from head to foot for there is no saying whose turn it may be next ah captain it may seem but a trifling thing to you a very trifling and paltry thing this tolling of the curfew bell but i can assure you that to us who are pent up here it is no such trivial matter for in the deep deep silence of this cloistral building the dreary dull monotonous tolling of that bell suddenly arouses the most painful thoughts thoughts of approaching death and coffins and shrouds and new-made graves and all the sombre ceremony of funerals but to hear that bell toll one less to know that a brother has succumbed to the icy hand of the destroyer to feel that there is a gap in our fraternity a vacancy in our association even though we may not have loved perhaps not even respected the individual who is gone still to have forced upon us by the deep-toned monitor the conviction that he is gone this this is terrible in our cloistral loneliness the captain made no observation but he evidently listened with profound attention and mr scales warming in his subject went on 
i told you just now that i am naturally of a gay and cheerful disposition and that i can make myself happy under most circumstances but when i am alone here of an evening and listen to the curfew bell i yes i also am seized with a cold shuddering and my blood creeps with an ice chill in my veins and if i hear the stroke stop at seventy-nine it suddenly appears to me the shape dim shadowy and wrapped in a shroud flits past me and i cast my eyes around almost dreading lest the pale and ghastly spectre of the deceased brother should be standing behind my chair and when there is one lying dead in the charter-house i feel afraid at night and sleep visits not my pillow i do not believe in ghosts at least i do not believe in them when it is daytime but in the deep silent and dark night yes then i believe in them and i tremble oh you can form no idea of the horrors endured in this place while the curfew bell tolls for if it give forth a single note less than the eighty then every one shudderingly says within himself i and in the solitude of his own chamber who knows but that it may be my turn next is it not cruel then to maintain that monastic custom of ringing the nightly bell to alarm weak and trembling old men whose intellects are attenuated by the weight of years and whose imaginations are so susceptible of all influences likely to engender the gloomiest forebodings for such is the case with the great majority of the poor brothers of the charter-house the captain made a brief remark to show that he was listening with deep attention as indeed he was and mr scales proceeded in the following manner yes the greater portion of the poor brothers are very infirm old men who need companionship to enliven them and little attentions to cheer them and indulgences to render their existence tolerable but every morning summer and winter hot or cold sunshine above or snow knee-deep below they must all turn out at an early hour from their warm beds and while still fasting must repair to the chapel to attend prayers and in the performance of this duty which is rigidly enforced by fine we are compelled to wear long dark cloaks so that when thus muffled up we appear to be a procession of monks each wrapped in his cowl here again you may observe that there is no harm in the custom but you must remember that there is a vast difference between what one does spontaneously and what he is forced by a rigid inexorable discipline to do the fact that these poor old men are thus compelled to wear the badge of monastic pauperism is the iron that enters into their souls they have been compelled by their necessities to accept an asylum in this place and they feel that they are treated as paupers their old age which the world without believes to be passing in a serene and tranquil happiness here unruffled by mundane cares is rendered miserable and wretched by a thousand little vexatious points of discipline which make up an aggregate sum of tremendous ecclesiastical oppression in the deep silence of the night the awful silence that reigns throughout this pile and in the solitude of his gloomy apartment each of those poor old creatures broods upon what he deems to be his wrongs and you need not be surprised when i tell you that they are often driven to the very verge of despair or to the threshold of madness ah and it is not only the curfew bell nor the compulsory attendance at chapel nor the long dark cows it is not all this alone continued the brother now speaking with solemn earnestness but it is that we are watched by spies watched in all our movements within or without the walls watched to be caught tripping be it never so lightly in order that we may be punished or perhaps expelled to make room for some one whom the master or any other authority is anxious to provide for the surgeon is a spy upon us the porter is a spy upon us all the nurses are spies upon us and what is worse added mr scales now sinking his voice to an ominous whisper and bending his head forward so as almost to reach the captain's ear with his lips 
and what is worse he repeated bitterly but still in that low tone we are spies upon each other captain o'blunderbuss started and surveyed his new friend with astonishment i do not mean to say that i am a spy upon the rest nor will i assert that we are all spies with regard to each other resumed mr scales but this i declare that there are many inmates of the place who do enact the part of spies against their fellows some wish to curry favour with the master archdeacon hale others carry their tittle-tattle to the surgeon some gossip of their brethren to the manciple or steward others endeavour to worm themselves into the good graces of even the cook and all the nurses with scarcely an exception are the spies of the matron i tell you sir that there is a monstrous system of supervision and espionage in existence within these walls and one brother cannot talk as a friend to another because he is afraid that he may be all the time making revelations to an individual who will betray him we have no confidence in each other we are all afraid of one another there is not such a thing as a good-natured chat and harmless conversation in the charter-house if you make the most commonplace observation upon things the most indifferent brother gray or brother jones or brother jenkins will shake his head knowingly as if he saw something covert and mysteriously significant at the bottom of the remark but wherefore does such a state of things prevail in the charter-house you will inquire and perhaps you will observe that if the brethren enact the part of spies upon each other they alone are to blame for making themselves miserable pause however and reflect that it is all the fault of the authorities they encourage this contemptible tittle-tattle they show favour to the poor silly old dotards who carry them tidings of all the complaints expressions of discontent or occasional instances of convivial excess which occur on the part of the rest these spies are favoured by the authorities the others know it and become spies themselves and thus they all spy upon each other even as the jesuits do in obedience to the rules of their order oh the mean and contemptible littleness of mind which such a state of things engenders i am sick disgusted captain o'blunderbuss when i think of it be jesus and where you may be my dear friend cried the gallant gentleman but who is the governor do you say archdeacon hale is the master as he is called archdeacon hale the notorious pluralist who fattens upon the loaves and fishes of the church without ever having done a single thing to render him deserving of such fine preferment and such large emoluments he it is who presides over this protestant monkery who enforces in the nineteenth century the grinding discipline of the sixteenth who moves the whole machinery of espionage and rules us as a mitred abbot was wont to sway his romish brotherhood if a gentleman reduced by adversity once enters those walls as an inmate he must resign himself to the treatment of a pauper the authorities look upon us in that light and the servants behave to us accordingly the very porter will sometimes call us by our christian or surnames without the prefatory mister if the surgeon visit us it is evident that he considers himself to be doing us a great favour just as you may suppose that the medical man belonging to an union of parishes behaves towards the pauper invalids requiring his services should the matron have occasion to call upon us it is with all the airs of a fine lady she who curtsies and does not dare sit down in the presence of the archdeacon's wife the manciple or steward is likewise a great man and woe to the poor brother who does not receive him with all possible respect the nurses attend upon us in a slovenly negligent manner and we dare not complain nor remonstrate for we know that they are spies ready to report us for every incautious word that we may utter or even to invent charges against us it was but the other day that one of the inmates a poor old man of nearly seventy did venture to complain 
of the shameful neglect which he experienced at the hands of his nurse what was the consequence she made a counter-charge to the effect that he had taken liberties with her the woman's statement her unsupported statement was believed in preference to the denial and the complaint of the old man and he was expelled the charter-house for six months turned out upon the wide world to live how he could or die as he might oh you have no idea of the tremendous tyranny that is perpetrated within these walls where all is so silent and all appears to be so serene and tranquil a short time ago a brother driven to despair by the horrors of the place went away took an obscure lodging and put an end to his life by means of poison the authorities hushed up the matter as well as they could prevented the interference of the coroner and had the man buried within three days from the moment of his self-destruction these are all facts sir stubborn facts and the public should know them yes the public should learn that there are eighty old men dwelling in a monastic institution in the very heart of london enduring a discipline as severe and subject to a system as despotic and oppressive as in the olden times and in those very cloistral establishments which henry the eighth destroyed the public should be informed that then eighty old men are the victims of ecclesiastical tyranny and that they are compelled to endure neglect and even insult at the hands of the very servants who are so liberally paid to attend upon them be the powers it's a burning shame cried captain o'blunderbuss and what's worse of all is that it's the parsons who are your governors and by consequence your oppressors in this establishment bad luck to em say i a good parson is a most estimable as well as a most necessary character in society said mr scales and this every sensible man must admit but an intolerant illiberal tyrannical parson is the greatest curse that can be inflicted upon a community such is our case such is our misfortune we have half a dozen parsons belonging to the institution and their main object is to get all the loaves and fishes to themselves though they rule us with a rod of iron they do not mind breaking the regulations themselves for instance if a poor brother remains away from chapel without the surgeon's leave or returns home a little after hours in the evening he is reported and fined fined out of the beggarly pittance of seven pounds ten shillings a quarter allowed him to purchase tea sugar milk and the many other necessaries which the establishment does not supply but though the regulations specify in distinct terms that the master is to reside constantly upon the premises he laughs at the enactments and passes weeks or months together in the country no fine no punishment for him who would dare to talk of calling the very reverend archdeacon hale over the coals but who does not hesitate to kick poor brother gray or poor brother jones or poor brother scales from pillar to post and from post to pillar if he be caught tripping in the slightest degree just now me friend exclaimed captain o'blunderbuss looking particularly fierce ye assured me that ye hadn't an enemy in the world but it seems pretty clearer to me that i must be ather punched in the head of your archdeacon or mansell or porter or someone just to revenge your wrongs and create a little sensation for the poor brothers as ye call yourselves my dear fellow do nothing matter rash cried mr scales positively believing at the moment that the formidable irishman was about to declare war against the authorities of the institution and that he would experimentalize with his fists upon the first of those functionaries who might chance to come in his way all that i have been telling you is sacred between you and me and as a man of honour i must appeal to you be jases and if it's to me honour ye appeal interrupted the captain slapping his left breast with the palm of his right hand i'll not brave the word to a soul that i'm acquainted with any grievances at all at all but remember if the time should come when ye may feel inclined to administer 
a thrilling thrubbing or so any of them spalpeens of whom we've been talking hush cried mr scale suddenly someone is ascending the stairs let us pretend to be speaking on matters quite indifferent without my heart said the captain and elevating his voice for the behoof of the person who was approaching the room from the stairs he exclaimed yes tis a very fine morning mr scales a very fine morning indeed just as if in the natural course of things he would have made after a visit of nearly three hours the remark with which a conversation is usually commenced mr scales burst out laughing at this display of his new friend's ingenuity and the captain laughed heartily likewise though he knew not precisely what in the midst of this cachination the door opened and the nurse or charwoman entered to lay the cloth for dinner End of section forty one